Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like broke hoes, and I am your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Black, Reefer Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, Steve G. This is Over the Culture. It's June 20th, and a broke ho solicited me, tried to solicit me on Facebook. Some broad, some some baddie ass broad that I'm in a Facebook group with, she added me. And she's a cute girl, so I added her back. And, uh, you know, maybe I made a mistake in inboxing her saying thanks for the ad, Chelsea. And yeah, that, that's her name. I'm not going to give her full government name, but I'll use her real name because she's fraudulent in this shit on, on her half. Um, and the first thing this batty broad says, sure thing, let me know if you want to take me shopping today, I'm available. Now mind you, I don't know this woman, I don't know this broad, and that's the first thing that comes out of her mouth, and that tells me that there is a unsurmountable amount of tricking going on in Atlanta. You know, for her to try to pull this stunt with me, obviously it has worked with some thirsty ass fucking cuck. You gotta be a cuck. Nuck if you cuck. You gotta be a cuck. A simping ass cuck to just be like, oh, really? Woman I've never met? I'll just get deep in my wallet and just go to the mall with you and I'll buy you shoes and I'll buy you clothes and I'll have you just dress to the nines. Oh, maybe can I get some sex afterwards? And I'm just saying, wait, what? That was my response. I said, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, if you want to take me shopping or go out, I'm free today. It's like, oh, you a whole prostitute. Bitch, you better just hit the track. I don't know. Maybe I have simp on my forehead. I'm a simp in recovery. Uh, Please be with me. Bear with me, people. But there was never a point in my life where I would just dupe to just being, oh, this, this young lass that I have no recollection of, no prior history with. Yes, uh, yes, I will pick you up and take you shopping. I, I'm not a sugar daddy. And I told this Betty broad that. I am not a sugar daddy. I'm not going to trick on you. Uh, you trick-ass Mark, Mark-ass trick. No. And that's where the conversation just ended. Better luck next time. Matter of fact, let me talk to your pimp. I need to talk to your pimp. And if you don't have a pimp, maybe you need one because this is bad practices. You just don't solicit any and everybody because you never know who's going to be petty. And you never know who's going to have a podcast. You never know who is going to be petty and who has a podcast. Any of these people that you solicit. And that's why I report this shit. She should be reported. I should have called the fucking cops on her ass for just poor. That, that was a piss poor attempt. You a bad. You ain't even a good hoe. Maybe for them slow rollers that you fucking used to be. It had to have worked for somebody. She She's encountered quite a few simping ass tricks in this town for her to just come up to me randomly and just say, yeah. Nigga, why don't you, uh, I mean, I'm free today. I ain't got shit going on. You could take me out and buy me some new eyelashes. And this chick, she has these fucking windshield wiper eyelashes. That's some shit I never fucking 
got with, man. I, I don't see why they get these huge-ass Rocky and Bullwinkle eyelashes. Like, no man has ever been like, you know what? You could really use some long fucking field goal pulse eyelashes on top of your eyelids. No one in the history of men. Nope. We don't give a fuck about that shit. And I don't give a fuck about trick-ass, mark-ass tricks. Fuck you, Chelsea. Now, besides Chelsea, uh, something else that happened over the week, I had one of those epiphanies. Yeah, you know, one of those epiphanies I got from the corner store. And this epiphany is this. When it comes to longevity, Kenan Thompson just might be the goat of child actors. Marinate on it for a second. All right, done marinating. Now, he has been around my whole life. He has been performing, being an entertainer, an actor, a comedic actor. Now, he, he might not have the the main role like a Macaulay Culkin or a Fred Savage or even an Elijah Wood. He might not have the same uh, amount of, of fame and acclaim as the Corys in their peak, but he's been consistent. All of those other people, they took breaks. Macaulay Culkin, he took a break. He left the Hollywood scene. Fred Savage, he took a production, uh, uh, the back role. He he got behind the scenes. The Corys, they just fell off. Elijah Wood, he's still successful, but his involvement in the entertainment industry has been sparse lately. But Keenan, I mean, heavyweights, Mighty Ducks, all that, Keenan and Kel, Fat Albert, and he's the current record holder for the longest tenure of any SNL cast member. So even when he was in all that, it's kind of like he was getting primed. He was getting groomed with Nickelodeon. With Keenan and Kel, he was getting primed, getting groomed. Even with Good Burger, there was a spinoff to to his bit on all that with Good Burger, with his buddy Kel. He's been doing this comedic acting shit for so long. He does it in his sleep. And now he even has his own sitcom on Keenan called, uh, it's called Keenan on NBC. So just, you know, might be a hot take, might be a not so hot take, but it's one of those epiphanies that I just came across. When it comes to longevity. Now, when Macaulay Culkin was at his peak, I mean, you could put him up against any of the, the other child actors past or present but as far as longevity as far as consistency Keenan's been active Keenan stays active now also over the week Dave returned the sitcom Dave on uh, FX and it's available on Hulu and I was a fan of the first season I'm a fan of Lil Dicky it's his starring vehicle uh, with uh, I believe his actual agent or his uh, collaborator, business partner, the guy that plays Spida. And in this second season, they start off, it's a two-part series premiere, or season premiere, and it's already off to a good start, man. Uh, FX, they do a really good job with these shows, man. From Fargo to Snowfall, it's always sunny, and Dave is no different. And we're still, we're going to be waiting for Atlanta. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be coming out, the new season. Maybe uh, sometime this decade. 
But yeah, check out Dave. Season 2 is available on Hulu and it airs on FX. Also, the new Gucci Mane album, Ice Daddy, came out last Friday. And Ice Daddy is 51 minutes, 13 seconds. I added this whole damn album to my playlist. It has features from Sir Mix-A-Lot. Yeah, that's Sir Mix-A-Lot. Pooh Shiesty, Big Walk Dog, uh, Big 30, Lil Baby, Lil Uzi Vert, Young Dolph, E-40 Water, Project Pata, Pata, Pee Wee Longway. And uh, like I said, man, I added all this album because I'm a Gucci Mane fan. Uh, you know, I, I know he can be somewhat of a pariah of some sorts within the hip hop community, within the pop culture community. But I've been a fan of Gucci Mane, uh, East Atlanta Santa, Mr. LaFlair himself, Roderick Davis. Yes, he's back and Ice Daddy is here. Speaking of Pooh Shiesty, he's climbing up the ranks with me too. He's one of those younger guys, but man, every time I hear a feature with him, and he delivers, just like uh, the al- the track "Like 34 and 8" that he does with Gucci Mane. That's one of my favorite songs on the album, uh, and also two changes on the album. Uh, the song with him and Young Dolph is called uh, "Top of Shit." Yeah, two Chains, Young Dolph, and Gucci Mane, "Top of Shit." That also bangs. Uh, the song with Project Pat, Fold That Money bangs. Uh, man, you know, like I said, uh, the whole album bangs. But, you know, obviously I'm speaking with a bias because I'm a Gucci Mane fanatic. NBA playoffs are continuing and uh, it's been some really good games. Uh, the Nets just got eliminated from the playoffs last night against the Milwaukee Bucks and it was another one of those showdowns between KD and Giannis and Tatakumpo and Tatakumpo and those Giannis jump shots those wide open jump shots because the defense knows that those shots are ugly those jump shots are about as flat as open cola but he did drop 40 he dropped a 40 piece on him but something I didn't understand why were they putting Drew Holiday on KD you have this former defensive player of the year Giannis Antetokounmpo Antetokounmpo and he's not guarding KD one of the most dangerous scorers of all time and love him or hate him Kevin Durant he really put everything out there man he had some clutch moments. Uh, I believe it was game five. Yeah, game five. He dropped, uh, what I believe, 47 points, man. And it just really took them to town. But like I said, the Nets got eliminated. And uh, I thought KD was going to just seal the deal with that final shot. But it ended up missing everything. Just a, a cool breeze. And that was all she wrote for the Nets. Um he really solidified his legacy with that series. I mean, he's already a two-time champion, and people could put an asterisk next to it because he joined a 73-9 and team. But with all things considered, man, you know, he was missing Kyrie, He and James Harden w- was hobbling. He had a, a hobbling Harden. So he had a, a injury-riddled team. And I, I thought the Nets were going to take it all, but I failed to acknowledge that Harden and Kyrie are pretty f- brittle. They're pretty fragile players, man. Now, if you get them on the court, they're trouble. Last week, they fucking around and scored a triple-double. Word to O'Shea Jackson. But that's the thing. You got to get them on the court. James Harden with his injuries, Kyrie with his injuries and his fucking uh, soap opera episodes. You never know. It's a, it's a box of chocolates. 
and I, I don't want to get too hard on that uh, injury prone excuse because people pick and choose if it's LeBron or Raymond James they, they don't want excuses ah oh, no he's supposed to be the GOAT blah 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 KD has an injured team it's just like oh well see he was missing Kyrie so I, I don't want to get too deep in that because I could have sworn LeBron Raymond James did go through the east and come out of the east eight years straight I could have sworn that I ain't trying to start nothing I'm just saying I'm just saying that same east that Kevin Durant got eliminated out of in the second round that same east that people say is so cookie cutter that is so simple it's easy as pie that same eastern conference yeah the grim reaper KD, Slim Jesus, yeah, he got eliminated second round, not even to the Eastern Conference Finals. He still has yet to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but that LeBron Raymond James, he, he, he did it. He made it to the Eastern Conference Finals eight times, eight times straight. Every time he won, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So yeah, the Bucks are going to now face the winner of the Sixers and the Hawks series. And I'm pulling for the Hawks. I always say that they're the hacksaw Jim Duggan of the NBA, but I just refuse to watch a series of Ben Simmons and Giannis Antetokounmpo free throws. What a struggle fest that is going to be. I'm not trying to see that shit. And can we just admit that those wide open jump shots, those wide open three pointers from Giannis, they're basically turnovers at this point. When you see him shooting those ugly three-pointers wide open I think the other team just gets ready to get to the other side of the court all right this is a get ready for this rebound because he's not making that shit there's a reason we left him 20 feet away but now on the west coast we got the Suns and the Clippers and playoff P is reclaiming his name y'all better put some respect on Paul George's name yeah no more pandemic P Kawhi Leonard gone no problem they eliminated the Jazz in six games, and that was somewhat heartbreaking because I was pulling for the Jazz. I really like that Jazz team. They have some shooters, but they were dealing with injuries. Donovan Mitchell, the spider, struggled with his hamstring, and then I, I want to say Mike Conley Jr., he didn't even play. If he did play, it was for a fraction of a game, fraction of a quarter. So I, I believe Mike Conley Jr., if he was on that squad, if he was playing in that series, that would have made a difference, at least ticket to a game seven. But, you know, they're still young. Donovan Mitchell's still young. Rudy Gobert's still young. Uh, but still, it's really no excuse because you got eliminated two years in a row, Utah. I mean, is it time to start breaking up the band? I don't know. You got a really good team. You got six man of the year, defensive player of the year, a uh, young uh, future MVP candidate in the making of Donovan Mitchell. The pieces are there. You got a good bench, good coach, and unfortunately, the coach is usually the one to go first. If things aren't working the way they should for a team, that's usually the guy they, they look at, start looking at them sideways. So now, yeah, we got the Clippers and the Suns. And unfortunately, we don't have Kawhi. The last man of cornrows. And we don't have Chris Paul. Uh, due to vaccination or uh, COVID protocol. And that's not fair to the fans. That's not f fair to Phoenix Suns or the Clippers. Because those are two of the team stars. 
you know, this is uh, this only the second time a Chris Paul team has been in the in the conference finals. The other time was when he played for the Houston Rockets and they got so close, so close against those damn Warriors. So uh, he's not playing in game one. And there's no update on the status of when he's going to come back to play. And Kawhi, the last man of cornrows. We we need to see him because he's obviously a difference maker. Um, so hopefully both of those gentlemen will return to their respective teams before the end of this series. A lot of cool things happen on June 20th. In 1969, 200,000 people attend Newport 69, then largest ever pop concert in Northridge, California. Jimi Hendrix gets $120,000 to appear. In 1974, Chinatown, directed by Roman Polanski, starring Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway, is released. In 1986, Karate Kid 2 premieres. In 1988, Bobby Brown releases Don't Be Cruel. And on that same day, New Edition released Heartbreak. And I found that interesting because they were released those on the same date and Bobby Brown as we all know was the breakout star he was the initial breakout star of new edition he was the original bad boy of bad of boy bands and that new edition kind of set the tone that you know you're going to have your bad boy you're going to have your uh, assigned leader of the group you're going to have the pretty boy the actual singer singer uh, Bobby Brown he was the bad guy and don't be cruel is a staple that's an R&B 80s R&B staple it's got so many bangers uh, of course don't be cruel the title track my prerogative Roni every little step rock with you and you know it's just five stars man the perfect album from top to bottom it's produced by la reed he's got production by teddy riley aaron hall and you just can't go wrong it's a young bobby man the the bad boy of r&b and even he won best male r&b vocal performance for every little step and he was on top of the world in the 80s it sold over 12 million copies worldwide. Uh, that's more than, that's diamond. That's more than diamond. You need 10 million to get diamond. And at the same time, Heartbreak released on June 20th, 1988. That is a classic album. Some consider that their best album ever. This is also the introduction of Johnny Gill. The first album to feature Johnny Gill as a member of the group. And it's got, if it isn't love, why do I feel this way? You're not my kind of girl. Uh, can you stand the rain? That's my track right there, man. Uh, crucial, any heartbreak. Um, not enough to be said about this album. And it even influenced a young boys to men to get into the game. So without heartbreak without this album would we have a boys to men but if i had to compare if i had to pick one either heartbreak or don't be cruel oh, I, I might have to say don't be cruel i can't sleep at night i toss and turn you just you can't beat 80s bobby in that following year, on June 20th, 1989, Prince releases the Batman soundtrack. Now, there are a plethora of reasons why I like the Tim Burton Batmans more so than the Dark Knight trilogy or the Dark Knight saga. But this is one of them. The Batman soundtrack by Prince in 1989 
is you could you could get from A to Z on this damn album. One of the best soundtracks, in my opinion, of all time. In 1993, on June 20th, the NBA Finals are held and the Chicago Bulls become the first team since legendary Boston Celtics of the 1960s to win three consecutive titles with a 99-98 victory in Game 6 over the Phoenix Suns. The MVP, of course, was Michael Jordan for the third straight year. I remember watching this game at my grandma's house on the living room, on the living room floor, and... when Horace Grant made that pass back to John Paxson and he made that three, I was living, I was jumping up and down. I was like everybody, most kids of my generation, I'm an MJ stan, an MJ fanatic. So the Phoenix Suns that year, uh, captained by Charles Barkley with Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, Danny Ainge, they had a really good team. Oliver Miller, they had an awesome team. And, you know, that's probably my favorite foe of those Bulls teams in the finals. Better than those Jazz teams, better than the Sonics, better than the Lakers. But John Paxson made that three, and man, it's one of those sports moments that I'll never forget. In 1994, former NFL running back, broadcaster, and actor O.J. Simpson is arraigned on murder of Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman. And me and Matt, we go over this whole ordeal in great length in our last episode of Happened in the 90s. Uh, And also on that same day in 94, Howard Stern begins a 30-minute TV show on the E-Cable Network. And I spent countless hours watching this show. This kind of uh, got me more familiar with Howard Stern, these these late night half hour programs that they would do on E! on the Howard Stern show. Um, it was a good time to be uh, in front of that TV in the 90s, man. In 95, on June 20th, Michael Jackson releases his story, Past, Present, and Future. And it, it was no thriller, it was no dangerous, or off the wall, or bad. But it was a good album. It was a best of with a mix of some newer tracks that he made one of them being scream the the duet that he did with his sister janet and batman and robin premieres in 97 and it it stunk nothing to say about that in 2000 on june 20th the deftones released white pony and that is a acquired taste or at least I had to grow to appreciate it because it was a change of pace from their earlier stuff around the fur and adrenaline. But listening to it now, I feel like it stands the test of time. One of my favorite tracks on there was Passenger, the collaboration that they did with Maynard James Keenan of the band Tool, the legendary band Tool. So White Pony was released in 2000. In 2003, Beyonce releases Dangerously in Love. Eh, she's done better. In 2006, the NBA Finals are held again. The Miami Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks 95-92 in Game 6 for the first title in franchise history. The Finals MVP was Dwayne Wade. And in 2013, the NBA Finals are held again. Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs 95-88 in Game 7 for back-to-back titles. The MVP this time is LeBron Raymond James for the second straight year. Um, so doing this podcast, I, I find little tidbits, little fun facts about things that happen in pop culture history, sports history, professional wrestling history. And for this episode, I realized that June 20th was a really good day for Dwayne Wade. Now, 
if you haven't followed the man, if you don't know anything about Dwayne Wade, he's a Hall of Fame, legendary NBA player. He's retired and he's born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. So I imagine he grew up being a Michael Jordan fan, a Chicago Bull fan. So on June 20th, 1993, he got to see his Chicago Bulls win a third straight championship. So that's a good feeling seeing your favorite team win. And then fast forward to 2006, 13 years later, that man will win his first NBA Finals championship along with his sole and only Finals MVP. That same day, he watched Michael Jordan win it on June 20th, 93. Fast forward 13 years later to the day he wins his first championship and becomes finals MVP. Fast forward six years after that into 2013, he would win his final, his third and final NBA championship. June 20th was a really good day for Dwayne Wade. Imagine that. Picture a day. When your favorite team wins a championship, and then that same day, 13 years later, you win your first one. And then six years after that, on that same fucking day, you win your final one. Can we uh, say uh, June 20th is Dwayne Wade Day? Happy Father's Day, Dwayne Wade. But later I'm going to be talking about the movie Blues Brothers, released on this day in 1980. Yes, today is the 41st anniversary of the cult classic Blues Brothers, and I'm going to do a deep dive into that later. Today in sports history, in 1936, Jesse Owens of the United States sets a 100-meter record at 10.2. In 1951, Cleveland Indian Bobby Avila hits three home runs, a double, and a single versus the Red Sox. Go Ohio. In 1960, Floyd Patterson knocks out Ingemar Johansson in five rounds for the heavyweight boxing title. In 1980, Panamanian boxer Roberto Duran takes the WBC welterweight title from Sugar Ray Leonard at Olympic Stadium in Montreal by unanimous points decision. In 1982, Pete Rose is the fifth person to appear in 3,000 games. In 1993, the NBA Finals are held when the Chicago Bulls beat the Phoenix Suns 99-98 in Game 6 for their third straight championship. Michael Jordan is named the Finals MVP. In 2006, Miami Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks 95-92 in Game 6 for the first title in franchise history. The MVP is Dwayne Wade. In 2013, the Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs 95-88 in Game 7 for back-to-back titles. The MVP, LeBron Raymond James for the second straight year. In 2017, Tiger Woods checks into a clinic to manage his pain medication and sleep disorder following his arrest for driving under the influence. And in 2019, the NBA draft is held. Duke power forward Zion Williamson is the first pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. And that was my half-assed sports report. birthdays for June 20th. Turning 32 today is American football player and former Buckeye Terrell Pryor, Go Ohio. Also turning 32 today is American actor Christopher Mintz Plass, McLovin from Superbad. Happy 38th birthday to American football player Darren Sproles. Also 38 today is American basketball player Josh Childress. Turning 45 today is Panamanian baseball player Carlos Lee. 
Happy 48th birthday to American singer-songwriter of the band Devtones, Chino Marino. Turning 50 today is American basketball player and coach Rodney Rogers. Happy 54th birthday to American-Australian actress Nicole Kidman. Turning 69 today is American actor John Goodman. Happy 72nd birthday to American singer, songwriter, pianist, producer, and actor Lionel Richie. Turning 75 today is American television host Bob Vila. And turning 86 today is American football player and sportscaster Lynn Dawson. Coming up, I'm going to go over the cult classic film Blues Brothers, released on this day in 1980. We'll be black after these messages. brings magic and slays the summer. Mickey makes a special announcement. Disney presents Mickey's Coming Out Party. Hop on top with Mickey as he opens up the closet on his coming out journey. Visit his heartwarming tribute to his fierce, mousy mother and witness his transformation into a high heel strutting power body. Join the whole Disney family in celebration of Pride Month and watch Mickey's Coming Out Party, only on ABC. Well, what does that mean, Mickey? Take you all to the land of the lost While you break back mountains like Jake Gyllenhaal Jill jacking off me, she can get involved Watch your little flea flickers just be itching on your balls Y'all's ninjas better recognize in the lakes I'm Jaws, got them all terrorized Protagonized cause I'm anti-villainous Some of these lames act so reptilian Snakes on the grass so I stay on the sidewalk Making sure I don't get outlined in chalk yeah, in your mind you a beast in reality I'm in the deep sea praying on humanities I'm on a conquest in this final fantasy I'm going over their head just like a canopy beast On a track, nothing more, nothing less Like Candyman 2, farewell to the flesh I'm saying no, I'm saying no I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt I'm saying no I'm saying no, I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt. Ah oh shit, start of the mosh pit, cause the flow goes long as the neck of an ostrich. My camp's concentrated, no Auschwitz Take a phony MC and we hold up a hostage Too like to fight, you're too thin to win I am Spider-Man, Peter Parker with the pen Ready for the world like a lion out of his den Watch me eat him up alive, I'll be chewing through your skin Circle around, pray before I'm going in I'm a predator, my head is like a shark spin Bumping with the bass lines, how we get them Pulsating in your face with the steady rhythm Now they wanna talk smack like the frog dig them They don't know I'm one of those five dozen venoms I'm the bomb, I'm LeBron, I'll be hanging like Saddam I'll be cool, staying calm and quiet before the storm I'm saying no, I'm saying no I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt I'm saying no, I'm 
I'm saying no. I hit this track running, I'm like you saying vote. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I hit this track running, I'm like you saying vote. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I hit this track running, I'm like you saying vote. special mention to those no longer with us. Last Sunday, we lost American actor Ned Beatty. Born Ned Thomas Beatty on July 6, 1937 in Louisville, Kentucky, he was one of the top character actors in film, particularly during the 1970s, and appeared in more than 160 films, including Deliverance, All the President's Men, Network, Superman, Back to School, Rudy, and Toy Story 3. He was nominated for an Academy Award, two Emmy Awards, an MTV Movie Award for Best Villain, and a Golden Globe Award. He also won a Drama Desk Award. Beatty died at his home in Los Angeles of natural causes on June 13, 2021, at the age of 83. Last Wednesday, we lost American actor and television director Frank Bonner. Born Frank Woodrow Bores Jr. on February 28, 1942 in Little Rock, Arkansas, he's widely known for his role as sales manager Herb Tarlick on the television sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. He died on June 16, 2021 in Laguna Niguel, California of complications from Lewy body dementia. He was aged 79 at the time of his death. John Mahoney was an English-born American actor. Born Charles John Mahoney on June 20th, 1940 in Blackpool, England, United Kingdom, he first became known for his roles in such films as Moonstruck, Eight Men Out, Say Anything, Barton Fink, and The Hudsucker Proxy. For his portrayal of Martin Crane on the NBC sitcom Frasier, he received a Screen Actors Guild Award in 2000. Mahoney also worked as a voice actor and was well known for his stage work on Broadway and in Chicago theater. He won a Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Play in 1986 for his performance in The House of Blue Leaves. Mahoney died in the Chicago hospice on February 4, 2018 of complications from throat cancer, originally diagnosed in 2014. He was 77 years old. Danny Aiello was an American actor. Born Daniel Lewis Aiello on June 20, 1933 in Manhattan, New York, he appeared in numerous motion pictures including The Godfather Part II, The Front, once Upon a Time in America, The Purple Rose of Cairo, Moonstruck, Harlem Nights, Jacob's Ladder, Hudson Hawk, Ruby, Leon the Professional, Two Days in the Valley, Dinner Rush, and Lucky Number Slevin. He played Don Dominico Clitoruzzo in the miniseries The Last Don. Aiello was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Salvatore Sal Frangione in the Spike Lee film Do the Right Thing. Aiello died on December 12, 2019 at age 86 at a hospital in New Jersey following a brief illness. Olympia Dukakis was an American actress, director, producer, teacher, and activist. Born June 20, 1931 in Lowell, Massachusetts, she performed in more than 130 stage productions, more than 60 films, and in 50 television series. 
Best known as a screen actress, she started her career in theater. Not long after her arrival in New York City, she won an Obie Award for Best Actress in 1963 for her off-Broadway performance in Bertolt Brecht's Man Equals Man. She later moved to film acting and won an Academy Award and Golden Globe, among other accolades, for her performance in Moonstruck. Wow, once again with Moonstruck. And she received another Golden Globe nomination for Sinatra in 92, and Emmy Award nominations for Lucky Day in 91, More Tales of the City in 98, and Joan of Arc in 99. Dukakis's autobiography, Ask Me Again Tomorrow, A Life in Progress, was published in 2003. In 2018, a feature-length documentary about her life, titled Olympia, was released theatrically in the United States. After a period of ill health, Dukakis died under hospice care at her home in Manhattan on May 1st, 2021, at the age of 89. Rest easy, y'all. On this day in 1980, the Blues Brothers premiered in theaters. The Blues Brothers is a 1980 American musical comedy film directed by John Landis. It stars John Belushi as Joliet, Jake Blues, and Dan Aykroyd as his brother Elwood. Characters developed from the recurring musical sketch The Blues Brothers on NBC variety series Saturday Night Live. The film is set in and around Chicago, Illinois, where it was filmed, and the screenplay was written by Aykroyd and Landis. It features musical numbers by rhythm and blues, soul, and blues singers James Brown, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Shaka Khan and John Lee Hooker. It features non-musical supporting performances by Carrie Fisher, Henry Gibson, Charles Napier, and John Candy. The story is a tale of redemption for paroled convict Jake and his blood brother Elwood, who set out on a mission from God to save from foreclosure the Catholic orphanage in which they were raised. To do so, they must reunite their R&B band and organize a performance to earn $5,000 needed to pay the orphanage's property tax bill. Along the way, they are targeted by a homicidal mystery woman, neo-Nazis, and a country and western band, all while being relentlessly pursued by the police. Universal Studios, which had won the bidding war for the film, was hoping to take advantage of Belushi's popularity in the wake of Saturday Night Live, the film Animal House, and the Blues Brothers' musical success. It soon found itself unable to control production costs. The start of filming was delayed when Aykroyd, new to film screenwriting, took six months to deliver a long and unconventional script that Landis had to rewrite before production, which began without a final budget. On location in Chicago, Belushi's partying and drug use caused lengthy and costly delays that, along with the destructive car chases depicted on screen, made the final film one of the most expensive comedies ever produced. Concerns that the film would fail limited its initial bookings to less than half of those a film of its magnitude normally receive. Released in the United States on June 20, 1980, it received mostly positive reviews. It earned just under $5 million in its opening weekend and grossed over $115 million in theaters worldwide before its release on home video. It has become a cult film, spawning the sequel Blues Brothers 2000 in 1998, which was a critical and commercial failure. In 2020, the film was selected for preservation of the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Jake Blues is released from prison after serving three years, and he is picked up by his brother Elwood in his Bluesmobile, a battered former police car. Elwood demonstrates its capabilities by jumping an open drawbridge. The pair visit the Roman Catholic orphanage where they were raised, and they learn from Sister Mary Stigmata that it will be closed unless $5,000 in property taxes is paid. 
During a sermon by the Reverend Cleophis James at the Triple Rock Baptist Church, Jake has an epiphany. They can reform their band, the Blues Brothers, which disbanded while Jake was in prison, and raise the money to save the orphanage. That night, Illinois state troopers attempt to arrest Elwood for driving with a suspended license due to his 116 parking tickets and 56 moving violations. After a high-speed chase through the Dixie Square Mall, the brothers escape. As they walk into the flop house where Elwood lives, an unknown woman fires a multiple-barreled rocket launcher at Jake, destroying the building's entrance, but somehow leaving the brothers unharmed. The next morning, during a police raid, the same woman detonates a bomb that demolishes the building, but miraculously again leaves Jake and Elwood unharmed. Jake and Elwood begin tracking down members of the band, five of them Willie Murphy, Murphy Dunn, Steve Cropper, Tom Malone, and Donald Dunn are playing at a mostly empty Holiday Inn lounge and quickly agree to rejoin. Another man, Mr. Fabulous Rubin, turns them down, protesting that he is making a good living as the head maitre d' at the Shea Paul restaurant, but the brothers behave unbecomingly until he relents. On their way to meet the final two band members, the brothers find the road through Jackson Park blocked by an American Nazi party demonstration on a bridge. Elwood runs them off the bridge into the East Lagoon, and the commander orders a subordinate to write down their license plate. They lastly visit the final two band members, Matt Murphy and Blue Lou Marini, who now run a soul food restaurant along with Matt's wife. The two rejoin the band against the advice of Mrs. Murphy, and the reunited group obtain instruments and equipment from Ray's Music Exchange in Calumet City, and Ray, as usual, takes an IOU. As the brothers attempt to book a gig, the mysterious woman uses a flamethrower to blow up the phone booth they are using, which is situated next to a fuel tank. For a third time, they are miraculously unhurt. The band stumbles into a gig at Bob's Country Bunker, a local honky-tonk. They went over the rowdy crowd, but they run up a bar tab higher than their pay and infuriate the country band that was actually booked for the gig, the good old boys. Realizing that they need one big show to raise the necessary money, the brothers persuade their old agent to book the Palace Hotel Ballroom, north of Chicago. They mount a loudspeaker atop the Bluesmobile and drive the Chicago area promoting the concert. However, they inadvertently alert the police, the Nazis, and the good old boys of their whereabouts. The ballroom is packed with blues fans, law enforcement, and the good old boys. Jake and Elwood perform two songs, then sneak off stage as the tax deadline is rapidly approaching. A record company executive offers them a $10,000 cash advance on a recording contract, more than enough to pay off the orphanage's taxes and raise IOU, and then shows the brothers how to slip out of the building unnoticed. As they make their escape via a service tunnel, they are confronted by the mystery woman, Jake's vengeful ex-fiancee. After her volley of M16 rifle bullets leaves them miraculously unharmed yet again, Jake offers a series of ridiculous excuses that she accepts, allowing the brothers to escape to the Bluesmobile. Jake and Elwood race back toward Chicago with dozens of state and local police and the good old boys in pursuit. They eventually elude them all with a series of improbable maneuvers, including a miraculous gravity-defying escape from the Illinois Nazis. At the Richard J. Daly Center, they rush inside the adjacent Chicago City Hall building, soon followed by hundreds of Chicago police, state troopers, SWAT teams, firefighters, Illinois National Guardsmen, and the military police. Finding the office of the Cook County Assessor, the brothers pay the tax bill. Just as the receipt is stamped, they are arrested by the mob of law officers. In prison, the band plays jailhouse rock for the inmates. The Blues Brothers has become a staple of late-night cinema, even slowly morphing into an audience participation show in its regular screenings at the Valhalla Cinema in Melbourne, Australia. 
John Landis acknowledged the support of the cinema and the fans by a phone call he made to the cinema at the 10th anniversary screening, and later invited regular attendees to make cameo appearances in Blues Brothers 2000. The fans act as the members of the crowd during the performance of Ghost Riders in the Sky. Happy 41st anniversary, Blues Brothers. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure to check out my other show, Happened in the 90s with my buddy Matt G, every Thursday, as well as our sister show, Crushgasm, every Wednesday. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Y'all be cool. Peace.